You're listening to the Make Life Epic Podcast with Jim Simcoe. Thanks for being here today. Let's get rolling with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Make Life Epic Podcast. I am so stoked for this interview with my very good friend, Trisha Moore, who's here to talk about how to train and successfully run a half marathon, which she just helped me do. So Trish, welcome to the office. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy to be here. Yes, yes. I love your office. It's very nice. Oh, thank you very much. I'm glad to, glad to have you. And Trish is uh, Trish is awesome. Trish is a coach, one of the coaches at our CrossFit at our gym, and and she's been just a fantastic help for me uh, in both as a coach, but also as a friend, and helping me through a variety of different things um, in my workout journey. So, and she's also like a super athlete. This is the woman who's you know like you see running. Uh, down the street going 900 miles an hour with a big smile on her face as she's running up a hill. So usually I tend to really dislike these people because I'm nothing like them, but Trish is really cool. So So tell us a little bit about your background and what you do. Uh, What I do uh, right now is I work for Shadham Fitness in Solana Beach as a coach and I love it. Um, What do you love about it? What do I love about it? I love a lot about it. Um, I would say my favorite part is helping people get better and helping them adjust their movement or providing contribution for them to have a positive result. And then they say, oh, that feels better. Or I get it. I understand this. And that is incredibly rewarding. There's no uh, more rewarding job that I could think of, at least for me. And I love it. Sorry. And before I so rudely interrupted you, what else were you saying? What else did you love about, what else do you love about your job? I love seeing their faces come in. Um, I love hearing about their day. Um, I love being a bright spot in their day, honestly. Um, but most of all, I mean, I'd love to help them get better. So that's cool. That's super mm-hmm. cool. And then, so what's your fitness background? Like what's your background? Well, my fitness background, you were, were you a runner? You've been a runner all your yeah, life. Right? I've been a runner most of my life. And, um, as an adult, my fitness background has been very heavily involved in the personal training and group exercise world, more of an in, in the conventional gym environment. Okay. Um, and I did that for a very long time. I started teaching uh, back in 2000, I think. It's a long time ago. Um, and and while I enjoyed it, I never felt fully complete. And I never felt that that world was really contributing to the health and wellness of the participants. Why did you not feel complete? Like what, what was it? What was the, what about it made it not complete for you? The fitness prescription wasn't complete. There wasn't, um, a total emphasis on the mind, the body, the lifestyle food. It was, um, in my opinion, sold and prepackaged and not comprehensive. Okay. And I knew that, um, but I didn't know if there was an alternative, um, and a couple of years ago, um, I met Lake and Eric. And as soon as I met Eric, the owners of Stratum, right. I knew that this was the spot. And yeah. so I, I, within a month, I knew I wanted, I mean, I knew I wanted to work there right away. That's cool. That's so cool. All right. So tell me, um, and we're going to get in more into that because I want to get into detail about that. But tell me, where did you grow up? And tell me something interesting about high school for you. I like to ask people about that because <laughs> I really feel high school shapes us in so many ways. Like as an example, my high school, uh, my very first day of high school, which was in a different town in a different state that I grew up in, uh, as literally as I was walking into high school with a thousand kids I had never met before, yeah. I tripped on the front steps, dropped everything, fell flat on my face. Oh, yeah. Did anybody help you? No, nobody wow. helped me. No. Uh, <laughs> You believe that? Isn't that crap? Nobody helped me. Oh, I think about it. Maybe that's why you're a nice man now. Maybe that might be it. <laughs> that's a life-changing moment for you. <laughs> must, must have been. But so seriously, where did you grow up? So I grew up in Spokane, Washington. And oh, wow, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, my sixth grade teacher, Mrs. King, uh, was very athletic and started a running club. So I decided that I was going to start running. And I learned very fast that I enjoyed it and I was fast. I had no idea what I was doing, but it felt like magic to me. Yeah. And um, as a kid, we used to ride dirt bikes and I play outside all the time. I was definitely a tomboy. Uh, my parents would <laughs> always let us just, you know, play outside in Rome. Yeah. So I really got to experience a lot of fun athletic adventures as a kid. Um, but when I ended up running with that group, um, it, it changed my life. Um, and so from that point forward, 
I kept running and I had a very difficult childhood growing up and running was definitely a way that I coped with things. Okay. Um, it was my time of solitude, relaxation. Um, and oddly enough, when we moved from Washington state to California, I was not socially accepted and very, um, why you know, they made fun of me. I had really long hair and the girls would pull my hair and I was bullied a lot. Seriously? Um, yeah. And so oh, shit. I, they were having a track meet at our school and nobody knew me and I decided to run the track meet and I won the, I ran the 400, I did the long jump and I beat everybody. And the 400 is a it's, crazy it's, Well, race. it's fast. And it's, it's just one time around the, around the it track. It is. Yep. And then I think we did the meet over three days and I ended up running the mile as well. And I beat everybody in all three events. So, um, what from part? that, from that point forward, I was not picked on anymore. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. I love it. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. awesome. So, um, that was, you know, it, it, running has always been a very positive influence in my life huh, for sure. Interesting. Okay, and cool. then, um, as an adult, you know, um, I, I ran in, in, in high school. I didn't go to college right away. What was Trish like in high school? Oh gosh. I was very non clicky. Like I talked to everybody. I wanted everyone to be my friend and, um, I would do a lot of things by myself though. You know, um, I wasn't in like the in group, but I wasn't not, I just wanted to be accepted by everybody. It's Um, funny. Most people, almost everyone, every, almost every single person I've spoken to that's just shaking up her water, by the way, we did not get, uh, uh, it didn't, uh, uh, tsunami didn't come through. Um, almost every single person I talk to when they talk about high school, they all say very something, it's something very similar They all. They all say, eh, it was a little bit of an uncomfortable time. I just yeah. wanted to be accepted. It wasn't like, you know, like there isn't anyone, at least that I've talked to has been like, oh my God, high school was awesome. It was the best experience of my life. It was just like, yeah, you know, like it's super, a tough time. Yeah. It's, a tough it's an time. awkward time. I was oh, voted so most gullible. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, I mean, most gullible. Most gullible. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I probably won't oh, live that down. That's so great. <laughs> you really, remember, I'm going to see you outside of here. So, I know. you know, maybe you shouldn't tell me that. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. Um, Okay. So here's, here's the, one of the sort of the meat of what I want to talk about is that, you know, when I came to you a couple months ago and said, look, there's a half marathon in our town in Encinitas. And I just finished with football and it's the first half marathon of its kind in our town. I want to run it by the way, it's in a month and a half. And by the way, I hate running. And also by the way, my knees completely messed up and I've got major bone bruises on my knee and I can barely walk. Can you help me design a training program? Any normal, well-adjusted, non-crazy person would have been like, dude, you're nuts. Like, I'm not helping you, whatever. But you're the one person who is so awesome was like, yeah, man, I'll help you out. Let me figure it out. Tell me about that. I want to talk about that because you designed it. And so when I first came to you about uh, and told you those things, what was going through your head? What were your sort of your training philosophies about how you thought you'd be able to help me? God, the first thing that went through my head is I do not want him to be injured because the running community promotes, you have to run to get better at running. It's singular, single sport oriented. And while that may make sense for somebody who's very well trained, it doesn't make sense for people who are not very well trained in pounding their body to the ground because that's exactly what running is. Right. So my first thought was... I want him to have the conditioning to be able to finish this, which he probably already does, but I need him to be able to handle the pounding. So my thinking was to give you that in smaller doses, um, less frequently than traditional, you know, programs would prescribe. Right. Um, because I mean, how many people do you know? I was training for this race and I got injured. Uh, I know probably like 50 people like that. You know, it's funny because, I've run three marathons and I think this was my seventh or eighth half marathon, but I'm not your traditional runner because I've two, I've had two ACL surgeries, back surgery, and I'm not a guy who like likes to go out for a three mile jog on the weekends. I hate it. I run, you know, when I run races, I do it because I like, I love how I feel afterwards, Mm -hmm. the sense of accomplishment, but it's really, I can't stand the running piece. So for any, you know, for those of you who are listening, if you think like, well, Hey, I'm not a natural runner. I don't like to run or anything. I mean, believe me, you're just like, I am. I think most people are like you, honestly. 
I mean, when you go to those races and you see the average, you know, the pool, you see the very elite coming through and then you see, you see the general population and the general population um, are doing it for reasons very similar to you. They want that feeling of accomplishment. Maybe they just had a baby and they want to lose weight or get back to how they used to be, you know, five years ago, or maybe they're celebrating, you know, a birthday or, you know, it's most people that do it aren't out there doing it to break records, to be top 10 in their age group. So um, truly I think that if, if, you know, somebody listening was to want to engage in that type of training. I think the key is to use different sports to train for that day. Yeah. You know, so Which I had never you, heard of, I never you, heard of we rode, right. Yeah. We did a lot of rowing. Yep. Um, bicycling can be a great way to get the aerobic, um, and respiratory development, but yep. not the pounding to your body. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's obviously a place for strength conditioning, which you have, Right. And um, you should never discount all of the work that you do with um, barbells and dumbbells because that definitely contributes to definitely your tensile strength and you know your 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 joints' ability to take the yeah. abuse that day. Um, and if you if you observe, many runners don't have that, and you can tell the runners that prioritize strength and conditioning mainly anaerobic um, conditioning and strength work. You can tell, and you can also tell runners who have no priority in strength work. They tend to be very thin and small, but they have uh, the capacity to do that one task very, very well. So, you know, to your credit and to many, many of your listeners probably have um, a sport that they enjoy, or they may enjoy weightlifting. I think you'd be so surprised how well they would fare. Yeah. Um, I think the key to training for a race like that is to not peak too soon and to not get yourself in a position where you've pounded it out with long runs through the week and, and you're tired. Well, that's funny you said. So like in every marathon I've ever done and in every half marathon I've done or any race I've ever done, all the training I've done previous to this one was completely different than what you put together. Yeah. And I was like, I'm used to running and running like Monday, Tuesday, Mm -hmm. Thursday, or, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, taking Friday off and then doing a long run on Saturday. It's going four or five times a week. It's a lot. And and it's a lot. And it's almost literally almost every race that I've gone into, I was pretty tired even yeah. at the start of the race i'm just because like you just kind of get sick of running yeah and this one was so different in the sense that like you know i wasn't tired in the race at all where i was what i was you know to some extent i was in a little bit of pain because of my knee but like nothing else hurt and i remember running half marathons before and like my whole body hurt it yeah. was like it was like my knees and my ankles and my legs and my back and my shoulders and like in this one like i'm not joking like the only thing that hurt me were my my knee, my right knee hurt a little bit. My hip flexors hurt a little bit towards the end. And then the next day, my upper back was sore. But like mm-hmm. I could have eas- very easily the next day went out and played tennis or gone surfing. That's I mean, a I, huge accomplishment. Yeah. You should be so proud of that. Yeah. I'm super stoked about it. So, okay. So what do you think are some of the biggest fears, you know, most people have about long distance running and how, what would you respond to them? Or how would you respond to them? <sighs> Like what, what are some reasons people like will say, well, no, I can't run a half marathon or, you know, I'm not the person to do it. They may not identify themselves as somebody who can accomplish that task. Oh, I can't do that. You know, that's too long. Then I'm going to send them a picture of my shirt off and they'll be like, oh, that guy can do it. I can can definitely (laughs) do it. Everything um, is one step at a time, you know, not to be cliche, but um, you kind of develop a capacity to deal with the distance and the pain as you train. Mm-hmm. And what might be a long run is today for someone is two miles. Two miles will be your warm up at some point. Yeah. And um, it happens slowly, um, but it happens with training and time. And um, you can develop the capacity to withstand that longer distance not only by running, but by doing different sports. So I will say that one of the most fantastic cross training tools that you could ever engage in is swimming. 
I absolutely love to swim. I think it's awesome. It's one of my favorite activities. It's It's so low impact. It's kind of, it is. And it's hard to get to a pool. You know, there's a little bit of a hassle involved with getting in the pool. You got to like take a shower before you get in the pool. You got to get your hair in a cap. You got to get the right goggles. You know, you have to find the right crew to swim with because swimming alone is boring. I think everyone can agree with that. But joining a master's program at like the boys and girls club here in Solana beach, they have one. Um, but do you have to be a good swimmer to do no, that? Like, I'm not a good no, swimmer. No, you don't. And in fact, I ran a marathon in 2006 and I ran it very well, but I injured my right foot um, and I could not run. I had to, I got a little tendonitis in my right foot from just the difference in the way the right foot and the left foot strike. It was gotcha. just the volume after the race really bothered my foot. So I took a month off and I ended up randomly just deciding to join this master's team at La Jolla high school. And I was, they, they, they organize your, uh, organize the pool by your ability. Okay. So the slowest folks will be on the left side of the pool and the, and the, as the lanes go toward the right, the faster people will be on the right. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So they organize you based on how fast you can swim 100 uh, meters, which is four lengths of the pool. And then based on that, you have (laughs) peers that you can swim with and it becomes very fun. So I was in the last lane when I started, I had no idea what I was doing. And it was so fun. And I worked my way up to the middle of the pool after about a year. And I enjoyed it so much because um, they you swim intervals, you swim um, a variety of different strokes. Can someone who doesn't really know how to swim do something like that? If they're, if they're Well, they need to have like the ability to like get in the pool and at least do a like front not, crawl or, yeah. freestra- or freestyle. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can totally do it. And it's a great way to train cardiovascular yeah. uh, strength for running. It keeps you from, you know, killing your joints, right? Yeah. Your knees and ankles. Now you can't have too much of a good thing because then if you're, all you do is end up swimming, you're going to end up hurting your shoulders, right? Sure, Especially sure. if you're a new swimmer and you don't have the technique down, but small doses of, um, yoga, swimming, rowing, what we do at stratum, you know, small doses of variety absolutely do wonders for people that, want to train for a single sport event. So that's interesting. So you're, cause this is very, it's so different than what a lot of other, you know, people who are, who are listening or thought about doing half marathons or marathons, mm-hmm. all the advice out there. Like if you're like going to want to run a half marathon, any book, they all say, you got to spend time on the pavement. Yeah. You got to get the mileage in. You got to do, do you it. know you're why basically, they say that? No. Why? They say that because it is easy. Number one. Okay. Um, it's very hard to direct somebody to do three different activities, right? Right. It's hard to do that. You can't really do that in a book. Oh, go swim, go do this. It's it's much more difficult. Um, it also ensures that the person they're training get that eccentric loading, which is the Let's pounding. Tell me that. Tell me that. Dennis. It's is- the pounding that you that you feel when your foot striking. So your quadriceps. Um, lengthen as you strike to the ground and you foot strike. So that pounding is hard to develop in uh, the, the, the uh, ability to handle that pounding is hard to develop in other sports, but you get that in running, right? Right. So if you run a lot, you're going to have a really high capacity to deal with that pounding. But there's a line there that you have to be careful not to cross because you're going to end up hurting yourself. So if you can, run for the sole purpose of getting your body used to that load work, working on your capacity to withstand the distance and supplement that with alternative training tools. Like we've talked about in your case, rowing. And I did recommend swimming by the way for you. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think it's a fantastic way to, to train, Yeah, you know, and, and I think the industry and I say the industry, meaning the endurance community is moving more toward that. Um, there's even a local um, Ironman uh, competitor, former competitor, McKeeley Jones, who stumbled into a CrossFit gym up in Carlsbad, I think in 2008, um, and and actually has said, wow, this is a fantastic way to train for, you know, Ironman, for international distance, for Olympic distance. So wow. the community is becoming more aware. Do they, does, uh, does Jones still work out there? I, I think they do actually, I don't know, but I read this article in competitor magazine recently. So, I mean, it's becoming more public that training with methods introduced by CrossFit, um, methods that we use at stratum and not being afraid 
to not have time on the pavement right. is becoming more accepted. That was no joke. That was my biggest concern. Yeah. I remember lining up. So the funny thing about this race um, is for me anyway, was that I, I, and I think, I think I told you like I got a cold and the race was on, on Sunday. Yeah. I caught a cold Friday because yeah. my daughter was sick. So I started this race, I would say at about 75% mm-hmm. in terms of how I felt. And my knee was all messed up, but you know, it's been messed up from football. So like, you know, I had like a, a cold and basically, you know, I had a knee problem at the same time. And I remember going into the race, starting it out. I'm like, man, if, if like Trish is wrong, I'm screwed. Like, this is going to be awful because I know how I am. Like, I won't stop. Like I'll finish it, but this will be the worst thing ever. Like I'll hate it. Well, I'm glad I wasn't wrong. Yeah. No. And <laughs> the funny thing was, is like, and I really want to like, I want to do another one in maybe six months when everything is fully healed. I'd love to do one when like my knee feels good yeah. and I'm not sick because I think that the, the, you know, the, uh, I would do even better. I mean, like, I feel like it's, yeah. it, it would be even better for me. Um, and yeah, I'm just super stoked about how well it went and how, how, how surprisingly, I wouldn't say easy, but how surprisingly good I felt at the beginning of the run mm-hmm. and how during the training, I think one of the biggest things with training for a normal person like me is that, you know, you struggle to get to the gym work is crazy. Kids are crazy. Like you just run around doing your normal life. So you struggle to get to the gym or get your workout in and you're so mentally taxed by the time you get there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like yeah. running, like if you run four or five times a week, like just stupid stuff, like, you know, like say you run with music, well, like you get sick of the music after right. a while. Right. Yeah. But I didn't have that at all because every time you did a workout or created a workout for me, it was something new and unique. And so like, I didn't have any of that mental fatigue going into the race. And I actually looked forward. I actually looked for yeah. the first time in my life. I looked forward to the long runs on Saturday because I, because I hadn't run it all during the week. And I was like, all right, you know, like I can go do 10 miles right now. Yeah. It's a big deal. And I think the endurance community crafts their training more for people that enjoy running. Right? Yeah, totally. So if you, totally. I mean, I enjoy like people like you. Yeah. So, you know, when I train for a marathon, I love to run. Like I do it for the training. Yeah. The race is part of it. That's fine. But I do it for the training. Right. And you're I in that top, it. and you're in that top 10% of people who like, yeah. they love running. They're good at it. They're like, have always, you know, have a history of doing it. So for you, like, you're like, oh yeah, I can do a marathon in, in, you know, in a couple of months and be fine. Whereas, you know, 90% of us are more like me. We're like, it's a struggle. Yeah. And it's, it's, we're doing it for a sense of accomplishment. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to go get some exercise. And it should be fun. Like the race day should be fun. Yeah. You should look back at the training and you should be able to look at two or three things that you learned from that training. Yeah. Like how did I, did I learn to uh, run better? Did I learn to row better? Did I learn more with my strength and conditioning in my strength and conditioning classes with my peers? Did I push a little harder during those classes because I was focused on my race? It should be a whole body engagement. It shouldn't just be about the singular sport that you're, that you're yeah. tasked to run. One of the things um, that I learned, you know, along those lines, you know, I definitely learned a couple of things during the race. And one of them was like, after going to first, uh, going to stratum and doing the workouts that you had me doing before class, I learned, you know, the extent of like, you know, in the past, if I was tired or really, really hurting, hurting, I would stop, mm-hmm. you know, for, and walk for a long time. And I think in this one, I did that a lot less because I was, I've already learned how to dig a little deeper mm-hmm. and just kind of mentally push through it. I feel like a lot of times when you're, when you're in races like this, it's, it's, it's almost like a basketball game, right? Where there's four quarters, the first two quarters, start of the race, you're going out. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. All everyone's screaming and yelling. It's, you know, everyone's together. It's mm-hmm. awesome. You get to midpoint and you're kind of like, you still feel pretty good. Cause you've only gone five or six miles or whatever, but it's that third quarter for me where it's like, you're more than half. You're almost half more than halfway done. Yeah. You're not, alone. But, but you're not at the end. So we Yeah. I think people have thinned out yeah. the, the, you know, the interestingness of doing a race is sort of worn off. You're at mile nine and you're like, Jesus, I have four more miles to go. Like Mm -hmm. I'm bored. I'm hurting. Like, and I've learned like how to dig deeper to kind of get through that mental fatigue and Mm -hmm. get through that mental anguish and just kind of keep going. Yeah. You know, and I think I also learned, I also learned in the training you provided for me, I learned during the race kind of going forward, like what areas I'd want to work on. I learned Right. right away that I was like, okay, my weakest body part during this thing right now are my quads, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, all right, 
I need, you know, that's good to know so I can work on those in the future. But I think in any other previous races, I wouldn't have known that. I would have just known like, oh, I'm just sore. Right. Whereas this one, I was like, yeah, it's my quads. Like, and, and you can point to something diagnostically and say like, this is what, you know, something I want to do. Um, tell me about uh, this thing that people talk about the runner's high. Oh, the runner's high. Yeah. That's what I love so much. Um, it's just a feeling of peace. It's just a feeling of, of control and peace. And I think that once you reach a very rhythmic, calm breath and all you hear is your feet and your breathing, um, and you can go for hours. Yeah. It's a really empowering feeling. Um, I can remember, I think I was about 14 years old and, my parents had lived in Orange County. And so I would often drive to the beach. Um, So I think I had to have been 16 actually, because I had my car. So I was 16 and I took my car down to Dana point and I didn't know what I was going to do when I got there, but I decided to go for a run. And I remember going up coast highway, going up a hill toward Monarch Bay. And I remember feeling so empowered because it was just me and my body out there by ourselves And I felt like nothing could stop me. Nothing was going to, you know, I wasn't on my bike. Like I didn't have to worry about my mechanical issues on a bike. I was, it was just my feet and me and nothing was going to slow me down or stop me. And I felt like I could run all the way up to Huntington beach, you know? And for me, it's a really empowering feeling. And I think it is for most people that have that relationship with their body. Yeah. Um, And I really enjoy that. I don't know if that's common or not. But um, I would say many runners describe the high, like when they're done, they're just like, oh, it's such a sense of peace and like relaxation. Um, But I definitely feel that during the race or during the run, when you just hear your breathing in your feet, it's a pretty empowering feeling. Which is so cool. Like, and and I wonder what's really interesting about that is, you know, you're a woman and I, I think that that's such a great lesson for other women listening of how it can be so empowering. I would never say that it was empowering for me. (laughs) Right. Like I've never even, I would have never even thought, I would never think to even say that word. So it's fascinating to hear you say it. Like for me, it's, it's more about that sense of I'm doing it and I'm accomplishing it. And maybe it is, maybe that is along the lines of empowering, but it's not like, well, your um, body won't fail you. Yeah. My body is not going to fail me. And um, I think that's a pretty cool thing. That's super cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I know what you mean about the run, uh, the buzz afterwards. Cause like anytime you finish a race or or a long run, you're definitely buzzing for a while. Definitely. Like you're just like, you're just stoked about everything. And, and I don't, I don't get calm. I get more, you know, I'm just more excited and just kind of like, bopping around or whatever. Did, I'm tired. Did you eat a lot of food or did you have no appetite or oh was God. it varied depending is, upon the run? Yeah, We haven't talked. So this is the craziest part. So end of the run, we all walked back to my office and then we went to Swami's, mm-hmm. uh, which is a local food place here. And the place was packed. Mm-hmm. There was like a half hour wait mm-hmm. to get seated. Cause there were like 10 of us at that point. It was so many people. So many people. The race. So yeah. many people. And then once we got, uh, once we got seated, they like messed up our order. So the food took like 40 minutes to oh, come no. out. So I was about to pass out. Yeah. So I had, I, um, uh, an entire cheese omelet, English muffins, and then like three quarters of a giant pancake. So you were hungry. I was hungry. I was <laughs> super hungry. But then afterwards I felt, you know, like I ate way too much, but, but it was great. I definitely had that runner's high kind of buzzing, um, uh, for a while. So let's talk about a couple of things. So I wanted to ask you too, what do you think went well in my training and what would you have done differently? Or I wish I had more time. That's what I would have done differently. Yeah. That's the, um, that was my fault. Totally. That, that I wish I had more time. I would like to work on gate yep. that, that I, we didn't have time. Um, and you mean, and you gate, you mean running gate, like- exactly running gate, foot strike, um, the upper body connection with like your upper back was sore. Yep. It was from rotation. I'm most certain Yeah, we talked about that. Right. So moving your hands kind of across your chest as you right. fatigue, whereas we want to keep our hands more toward at our hip. Oh, yeah, right. Do you remember we right. talked about that before that. the race? I do remember that. Um, and I just want to add, so the upper back, the importance of the upper back, if you have uh, very good strength in your upper back, 
it really does help you right. keep those hands straight. And you, and you literally, you are pulling yourself through your run. Right. Do you remember right, we right. talked about yeah, that? Yeah. I do remember. I remember we talked about it and I remember like. And the upper back is so important and runners don't think about that. They think about yeah, the front, that. right? So I, I, I find it interesting that you said your upper back was sore. It's, it was, it was literally the only thing. Was that sore. is so funny. Yeah. I mean, my knee, my knee hurt, but my knee hurt before I started. Yeah. But my, the only part of my body that was actually sore was my upper back. So I would like to work on, on gait and hand placement and those types of things. Um, I'm happy with how it went because you felt great. And I think you made some interesting self-discovery during that process. And I remember you saying that your strength and conditioning sessions felt better to you. They felt way better. So those types of things are awesome beyond just the day. Yeah. You know, and that's why I think these types of things are important for people to do because they learn a lot about themselves and they have new experiences to bring to their old rituals. So their old habits. Like when you come to class now, you're going to come in and you're going to say, I do better if I warm up for 10 minutes. Right. Right, right, right. So it's so much more about you and your development as an athlete and as a person than it is about the actual day. Right. And that's why those things are fun to do. Yeah. They're awesome. What, um, so what three tips would you give to non runners? Try would be the first one. Mm, Even if you don't, even if you don't think you can try, Seek out information from reliable sources and trusted partners. So let's say they don't know where a reliable source and trusted partners, who would they go to? I don't want to say this, but they could absolutely come into Stratum. I mean, yeah. between Blake, Eric, and I, it's it's a very honest environment to learn to learn from. Yeah. You know, there's no uh, mincing words. There's no false promises. Those right, two are, awesome. are fantastic. If someone doesn't the, live the, locally, though? Besides email go to our website, go to our website and email us. Okay. Um, you know, there's a lot of misinformation um, out there on, on Instagram. It's hard to sift through because everybody's photos are so beautiful. It's yeah. It's, tell, let's talk about that. What's the deal with really, that? It's really, really hard to seek out good information in the fitness world. Um, so, you know, I have reputable um, sources that I like to get my information from that I'd be happy to share. Um, but, you know, it, it takes, it takes time. You know, I think that's the other thing I would say is it takes time. It takes time. Yeah. You're not going to sign up and be ready in two weeks unless you want to walk it. Right. You know what I mean? So Which is totally okay. Yeah. I mean, there were people walking, there were people walking, um, our race and, told them, yeah. and they were having a blast. Totally. I passed two women. They were like, you know, like older women and they were like drinking a coffee, like having, yeah. a, like having a blast. Yeah. Like, so try seek out information and be patient. Okay. Maybe we, maybe you can send me some links and I'll throw them in the show notes for people Yeah. because not everybody lives, you know, a lot of people don't live locally. A lot of people, you know, uh, um, it's pretty crazy. We've got listeners all over the place. Like we've got people in like Sweden and everything else. Wow. So thank you all for listening. I would love to go to Sweden. You guys are awesome. If you ever come to San Diego, let me know and I will buy you some fish tacos. (laughs) Um, okay. So I have a couple, just two more questions for you. Three more questions for you. I'm going to leave the last one, um, uh, the one that came to you after you said something, but what conventional advice that people hear about running do you think is just totally wrong? The first thing that comes to mind is people think they're not a runner and they can't do it. Okay. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Um, I think genetically there are people that are built for the, for the sport, just like right. in swimming, look at Michael Phelps, right? He's obviously built for the sport. Yeah. It doesn't mean that if we're not built like Michael Phelps, we can't swim. Right. Um, it doesn't mean that if you're not built like a marathon runner with long limbs and, you know, long arms that you, you can't, you can't run. Yeah. Um, so the, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Um, the second thing that comes to mind is that, you know, there's good to be gained from trying and whether it's a 5k or it's a 10k, um, I've run all of those distances. Um, you might engage in a 5k, um, and then try a longer distance and decide that you don't like to go long, but you like to do a 5k and maybe you have a background in cycling and you might decide to do a biathlon. Right. I mean, you, you never know what can come of it and it doesn't necessarily lead to I'm a runner. Now it leads to additional self-discovery, right? You know, and you know, the other thing is, is that, um, when people get injured that do one sport like running, like I met a lady yesterday and she said that she broke her foot and I said, how did you break your foot? And she said she was reaching for shoes in her closet and she just 
tipped over. Oh my goodness. And so, you know, clearly she is a runner. You could tell by just looking at her, she was incredibly small. Um, but she said, you know, she doesn't know what to do now. So I found that interesting because, um, you want to be able to continue to train even if you're injured. Right. So the more diverse your sports background can be, even if you champion one particular sport, the better athlete you're going to be and the healthier you're going to be. Right. So I would say, you know, if you're a cyclist, add running to your repertoire. If you're a strength and conditioning monster, add, you know, a, a mile or two to your, to your, you know, program to change it up. You might feel really great. You might experience something that you haven't experienced before. Interesting. Do you think, um, along those lines, I mean, I, it kind of, it seems like what you're saying too, and you're not really saying this, but it sounds like you're saying this is like, you really set the bar low for people. Like you're not saying like, Hey man, you got to go run a half marathon and do it in a certain time. You're just saying like, get on the road and see what happens. Just and, try. Yeah. You might really enjoy it. You know, um, people, they won't know unless they try. And yeah. it's like that with any sport, you know, yeah. I walked into our gym and had no idea that I would fall in love with the barbell right. until, you know, I started trying. Right. 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 I didn't know how to lift weights. I still am learning, you know, and you, you kind of start your own adventure when you try things that you haven't tried before. Yeah. And you and start makes- everything slow. And the cool thing about that, one of the things I love about that is it really helps you when you make that first initial effort, it creates momentum mm-hmm. in your life. Mm-hmm. It builds confidence. Yeah. It builds self-worth. Like you, there is a sense of accomplishment when you finish any of these things. Yeah. You get it, like you, like, as you're saying, you feel empowered. Mm-hmm. Just really cool. Really, really cool. Um, okay. So here's the, here's my uh, question that came up while you were talking earlier. I want you to talk to one of our listeners Somebody who is overweight, out of shape, has never done anything like this before and is, might be listening and might be like, this sounds really good, but there's no way I can do this because I'm overweight or I'm out of shape or I don't have time, whatever. Tell me what you would say to them. Well, if it pertains specifically to running, I would say the first thing you have to do is start. That's the hardest part. And it's a, it truly is as simple as putting one foot in front of the other. It's as simple as putting on your shorts and a t-shirt and tennis shoes and tying them up and walking. It's as simple as that. It starts there. If I'm speaking to somebody about um, the overall engagement in strength and conditioning, along with just building their body, body from a cardiovascular perspective, so more multi-sport, I would say... Again, the first step is lacing up your shoes and starting. Yeah. It, it's it's truly as simple as that. And that quiet time of you lacing up your shoes before you head out the door, whether you're going to go for a walk or a run from your door or you're going to jump in the car to go to the gym, that time of lacing up your shoes, making sure you have your water or your supplements with you or just your head on your shoulders that you're going to go finish what you start. That's the hardest part. Yeah. Um, as soon as you, why is it so hard? That's I don't same, know. It's kind of like when me. the alarm goes off and you're like, Oh my God, I don't want to get up, but it's just easier to get up than it is to hit the snooze. It just is yeah. easier because then you hit snooze and you're like, Oh my God, I have to get up in like 10 minutes. Okay. Is it, is it, this is why I don't, use an, I don't use an alarm clock because of that reason alone. Yeah. It's just, that. just do it. You know, I don't want to sound like Nike, but I think that tagline is so, um, powerful and that's why it's been their tagline for what, 15 years, you yeah. know? But there is a part of you that you just need to just start. get out of bed when the alarm goes off, you know, putting on those shoes and just going. That's the the start. And, and I think there's so much judgment and so much I have to do this or, you know, and that's where, you know, the fitness industry does it does a disservice to our population because they put um artificial bars or um, goals that people have to reach like, Oh, do this. It's so easy. Or, you know, you can do this or that, you know what, just get out there and start do whatever is better for you. If you haven't gotten out of bed for a week because you've been sick, you know what? And you want to start this, 
my, my call to you is to right now go downstairs or go in your garage and put on your shoes and go for a mile walk. My, my expectation is that when you come home, you're going to feel so much better than when, than before you left. Yeah. And then tomorrow, maybe you go for a mile and a quarter. And then the next day, maybe you go a mile and a half. And then next week, maybe you run a mile, you know, it's just as simple as starting. So um, I think support at home is also a huge factor. Right. Um, your wife is incredibly supportive. I think she surrounding is. yourself with people that support you is so important. It's so important. And if you don't have people that support you at home, go find some, because I promise you, if you go into a facility like we have here in San Diego, they will support you. Yeah. Um, and I know that there's facilities like that across the world. You yeah. Know? You have to have that. I think you have to have that. I think it's make a, it makes it so important. much easier. Yeah. Um, I think it, it would be way tougher to do it. It's tough to do anything all by yourself. I mean, the start starting, yeah. you have to do that piece by yourself. And, and I think that that's great advice. And there's people that want to pull you off the path too. Sure. There's, you know, there's always some crazy food that you should eat. That's not good for you at a party. Right. Or there's always, you know, a new movie that's out that requires you sit down for three hours and watch it. There's always something that will take you off the path. And so you really have to do it for you and decide for you that you're going to do whatever it is you're going to do, whether it's you know, learning how to do a, a clean, or if it's learning how to run right. or learning how to walk, you right, know, I mean, right. there's a method to walking. We talked about that too, right? Yeah. You know, which was a different method than I had ever yeah. walked before. And, I was and like, and walking isn't exactly a walk in the park, you know, no. unless you want it to be, you know, you can kind of go for it on a walk for sure. Yeah. 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 So what's cool about everything you're saying, which, um, which is really interesting. It speaks to you as a, not just, you know, it speaks to you more as a person than as a coach is that you're really, you really come at this from a completely different place. You come at from a, from like, you come at it from like a very non-judgmental, just start and do what works for you. Like that's kind of your angle, which I think is just so awesome for so many people because I think you're right. I think people like me who don't know nearly as much about fitness as you do. And you know, our, you know, there's, you're, you're under deluge of information mm -hmm. you don't know what to do you but don't. someone says yeah. like oh you know you need to start by doing you know four 400 repeats as a warm-up base and you're like dude that's not a warm-up that's like my whole day like i can't do yeah, that exactly and so i love i love your advice about just starting and just do something that works for you and build upon it because it sounds like that's kind of what you're saying yeah yeah because movement is powerful and it requires you to engage um, emotionally right. as well as physically. And when you move your body, chemicals change and you experience pleasure and that becomes its own driving force for you. Do you feel like that? I was, you just made me think of something. Do you feel that running and working out has really, does, does it really change your emotions and your mood? Yeah. How? Well, they've actually studied that runners in particular, because of the amount of pain that they um, experience, release Oxycontin. Okay. So that's obviously pleasure. Um, it's a, You can go and get it at the drugstore, right? right. Um, so absolutely, um, there's a hormonal shift in your body. There's no question about that. Um, so the types of training that you do will dictate the type of hormonal shift that you'll have. Um, if you engage in meditative breathing, um, you could absolutely argue that there is a change to your central nervous system, which is, which changes the hormones that are released by your body. Um, so if you notice that all your life, like if you notice, like, cause I definitely notice, like if I, if I don't work out for a few days, I'm definitely more yeah. antsy and more yeah. just kind of like on edge. So think about that for a second, because there are people that haven't worked out that don't, Forever. that don't participate. Right. Right. I think it becomes easier the less you work out to engage because you, you don't know what it feels like to feel that good. Right. And it's may have been so long since that engagement may have taken place that you have forgotten how good you're, you can feel by right. moving. And so that's why I say it is the most, that is the most important step, no matter what you're trying to do is to just, is to do it. And with that movement comes reward of, oh my God, I did this. Oh my gosh, this movement got better. Oh my gosh, I got faster. I did more. And those things take care of itself in terms of getting that person back out there. Right. So absolutely, chemically things change for sure. What would you say 
it's funny. I've been, I've, you know, I always like to keep people under 30 minutes because I want to keep them kind of uh, on the podcast. Cause I, you know, am but, I over 30 minutes? Oh yeah. We're over, but it's cause you're really good. So you're, oh, keep, you're, you're inspiring me to ask you more questions. So I had my last question like 10 minutes ago, but I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask you a couple more. So <laughs> as a woman, um, you know, so there are women out there who don't want to do fitness stuff or CrossFit stuff or running stuff because they're worried about how their bodies are going to change or, and how they might, you know, end up being too bulky or too muscular or whatever. Um, what would you say to them? So the type of training that we do at Stratum is inspired by CrossFit, but prescribes with a lot of intelligence. Would like you call it like functional fitness? I would. Um, and we do do weightlifting that you see, you know, at the games, right? We do those, we do Olympic lifts, we do gymnastics. Um, how much we do them is dependent upon the individual's desire and skill, because obviously sure. if the skill's not there, you can't, you can't engage in very, very complex movements, but you can certainly set the table and prepare people to do that, sure. which is what we do. Um, but your body is, is already designed, right? So we all have different body types. You know, if you look outside, we have short, we have super tall, we have people with short muscle fibers and people with long muscle fibers. We have bodies in, that come in all shapes and sizes and not just because of fat on people's bodies. Everybody's sure. body is built differently. Um, so CrossFit type work will enhance the body and show the body that you have. Because you are going to be working in so many different planes of motion and with so many different types of activities and weightlifting and running and rowing and and skiing and biking and gymnastics work. You're going to be doing so many different things that your body is going to express its true self. So if you are meant to be built in terms of having muscle you may, you may, it may show up on you. You may yeah. see that, right? If you are what they call a mesomorph body type, which is somebody that has um, definitely more power in the movements that they execute, their muscle fibers are shorter, um, and they they're they're more of like a gymnast. Think of like a gymnast. Those okay. they're petite, they're very muscular. Those most of those gals are um, more mesomorphs. Somebody like me who's an ectomorph, who's taller, longer muscles, I will tell you, I'm having a very hard time putting muscle on and getting quote bulky. I'm, I'm trying to, it's not necessarily happening quickly. (laughs) Right. right? So that is my genetic DNA. So if I approached the sport and said, I'm going to get too bulky, it would be laughable because there's no way that genetically that's even possible. Right. The other thing that's odd, and I was thinking about this yesterday because for years I taught indoor cycling. And one of the things that women would tell me is, I don't know if I can put any resistance on the bike because I don't want my legs to get big. Right. And just yesterday I was thinking about how strange that is that a woman would come into a class to experience physical exertion, but then say they don't want to put a lot of resistance on the bike because they don't want their legs to get big. And at the time, and this happened to me a couple of years ago, I was told this by somebody. I remember being very confused by that statement. But as I've spent more time in this business, it's become very clear to me that the messaging the fitness industry puts forth to people is very broken. A woman should be uh, encouraged to put resistance on the bike to outride the man sitting next to her and not be at all concerned about her legs getting big because by the actual physiology of exercise, it's not going to happen simply by riding a bicycle. And who cares if it does? Like I, right. I'll tell you right now, cares, as a guy. Who cares if it does, number yeah. one. And physiologically, number two, you're not going to get huge quads by riding a bicycle. Right. And what makes, you know? I, you know, and this is a completely different topic, but I think what makes a woman attractive or like what, you know, like what attracts me to my wife, it's it's, it's personality. It's right. personality and looks, you know, looks and body after that. But and I think there's probably nothing sexier than a woman who is comfortable in her own body. And I would think that most women probably feel the same way about regardless of the shape, right? Yeah, totally. Right um, so that's interesting. That's the, the message though, that the fitness industry put forth, um, puts forth is extrinsic motivation by losing weight or looking better naked. That is the overall message because it's, um, it's not a, it's not a healthy message, but no. it's a message that makes money. And that's, and that's the message. And unfortunately, 
you know, for people like Blake and Eric and I, we want people to get in there and get fit for for up for long term intrinsic reasons, right? And that is a hard thing to package and market to people. Sure. Um, so whether it is you know a race like you went through, or coming into the gym and learning how to do a pullover on the bar, or learning how to lift weights, um, learning how to train to be strong, it doesn't matter what it is. It should be a journey for you, right? you know, whatever it is. And it should be viewed as a journey and not as an end result, no matter what you're trying to accomplish for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Cause it's about overall health and not about trying to look better. Could you look better? Yeah. It's a byproduct, but it shouldn't be the primary reason right. because it's not sustainable. Right. Right. Cause we're all going to get to be 80 years old right. and weekly and, and goofy looking. Yeah. More goofy looking. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's interesting. That's a, uh, that's interesting. Well, anyway, thank you for being here today. I really appreciate it. I had fun. Where can people reach you? Where can people find you online? Online. My website is earnmybody.com. I love that name. Earnmybody.com. I'll put it in the show notes. Where else? And I'm on Instagram. Okay. Earn my body. My little dog is on Instagram. Ozzy. I know that you're going to bring Ozzy today. I did not bring Ozzy because Ozzy went to a party on Saturday night. Oh, okay. He's exhausted. And then he went um, on a walk with me and some friends yesterday. So he's tired. And um, he went with me to get my car fixed today because it wouldn't start. Gotcha. Oh, so lovely. He's tired. Oh, poor Oz. Okay. Well, thank you very much for being here. Trisha Moore. Um, I will put her information and as well as some other links on the show notes. Thanks again. You're welcome. Hey, thanks for checking out the Make Life Epic podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed the show today. For more information, check out jimsimco.com, jimsimco.com. And as always, feel free to leave a review on iTunes. Those really help us out a lot. So if you could do that, that'd be great. And I look forward to talking to you soon. Have a fantastic day.